Today on the newscast, we're in Israel with our good friend Amir Sarfati, who breaks down everything happening in the Middle East from a prophetic perspective and why it matters to you. That's next. Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. I just returned from a great week of production in Israel. If you've been watching the newscast over the past few days, you've seen our reports from on the ground, on the border of Gaza, on the Israel-Lebanon border, some great interviews in Jerusalem with Israeli decision makers, and a great interview at his home overlooking the Valley of Armageddon with our good friend Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Now, as you're about to see, this was a wide-ranging conversation with Amir. We covered a lot of ground, all from a biblical, prophetic perspective. What do the world-changing, game-changing events unfolding in Israel and the Middle East right now mean for you, no matter where you live? And what does the Bible say about it? Amir unpacks it in this great conversation that you're about to see. Before we get into it, a quick reminder to subscribe to the Watchman News channel right here on YouTube and click the notification bell so you get alerts every time a new video is posted. Hey, while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to the Behold Israel channel as well and follow Amir on Telegram and pick up all of his great books, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. Here is my interview with our good friend Amir Sarfati. Take a look. Welcome to The Watchman. Folks, we've been telling you here every week that the prophetic chess pieces are clearly moving on the board, whether it's wars and rumors of war, whether it's a push for global government, whether it's cancel culture, the list goes on. And yet Israel remains the epicenter of everything that's happening prophetically, geopolitically. And there's not a better person in this land to talk to about it and our good friend Amir Sarfati, president and founder of Behold Israel, best-selling author many times over, and a good friend of the Watchman. Amir, thank you for having us, first of all, in your beautiful home. It is always great to have you with us. You're mostly welcome, and this door is always open for you. Hey, my friend, thank you. And for such a time as this, we are together. I don't know where to begin. Before the interview, we were saying, where do we go? There's so much to talk about. But let's begin, Amir, with the immediate, the obvious, and Gaza. Mm -hmm. uh, the latest in the war, it seems that the IDF is making great progress in crushing Hamas. Where do you see this war? Uh, number one, the successes of the IDF. And where do you see it going in the near future? Well, first of all, the current situation is the following. We the main effort of fighting right now with five different um, <clears throat> divisions, uh, well, we have three divisions, but we have five brigades just in the Khan Yunis area, which is the stronghold of Hamas. Right now, we're making great, great advance in the Khan Yunis area. This is the first time in the history of warfare that soldiers need to fight simultaneously above the ground and under the ground. We've already advanced 40% into the length of the terror tunnels of Khan Yunis, which means that Sinwar, his leaders, and the hostages around him, they're all being dragged further and further until we corner them, basically. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. We already visited three tunnels where Sinwar, we know he was there. And this is Yahya Sinwar, Yahya the, the Sinwar. leader of Hamas Correct. in Gaza. Yes. And so right now we're closing on him from all sides. We block the area that leads to the south. 
We block the corridors that leads to the north. He's basically trapped between the border with Israel on the east and the Mediterranean on the west. And we're moving westwards, which means he's with his back to the Mediterranean right now. And this, it's just a matter of a couple more months until this whole place will be dismantled. All of Hamas' main battalions have been dismantled. The only ones we haven't touched yet, but the, we know that they are not as big of a problem, is the ones on, on the southern border with, with Egypt, and that's the Rafah one. Yeah, and that's the big one coming, it seems. Correct. Rafah is the next one, not because Hamas battalions and Hamas uh, terrorists are there, but it's because Rafa is the pipe of oxygen to Hamas, for Hamas. We are talking about gigantic tunnels under the ground that allows them not only to bring into Gaza uh, means of supply and uh, you know, products, but mostly yeah. weapons. The amount of weapon we found in Gaza it surpasses anything we had in our worst scenario. We found more tunnels and more weapons. Much of it is made in China, North Korea, and um, Iran, and yeah. it, it tells you the whole story. We were sleeping while they were working on it. For years and years. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about that too, Amir. A lot of people said before Israel went in on the ground in the wake of October 7th, some were saying it's going to be a quagmire, the IDF's going to get bogged down. I don't know if the word is surprise because the IDF is obviously a highly efficient fighting force, but man, Israel has made great progress in this war, yes. it seems, on the ground. I mean, Hamas is getting very close to being dismantled completely, as you said. Absolutely. We're making great progress. Anyone that tells you that Hamas is on the winning side is someone who is being paid to say that. Is someone who is not telling you the truth. He knows nothing about what's going on on the ground. I know brigadier generals. Yeah. I know soldiers on the ground, commanders on the ground. And trust me, it's far from the truth. We are on the winning side. But the thing is, this war is taking longer because there's about 100 and something hostages that are wrapped around the leaders and the terrorists. And that's the slowing issue. I and mean, we were, uh, you know, hail to toe here, moving slowly, slowly. And you cannot destroy a tunnel before you make sure no hostages are in the tunnels. And Sinwar, by the way, may have Absolutely. surrounded himself with hostages as There's human no, shields? No doubt. We know that he yeah. does that. This is, you know, there are... He's a butcher and a murderer. Yes, and that's his policy, his insurance policy, that he yeah. will remain alive or Hamas will remain in power. One of the two. If Hamas will not remain in power, he wants to stay alive. If Hamas will stay in power, obviously he will stay alive. But this is the insurance policy. Anyone who thinks that he's going to release all the hostages and agree to have Hamas dismantled and stay alone without them, without any guarantee that he will remain alive, he lives in delusion. And Amir, I think this is a tough question. You and I talked about a little bit before the interview off camera. Of course, there's the goal of dismantling, crushing Hamas decisively so it never threatens the state of Israel again. But then there's the other stated goal of bringing the hostages home. Can you do both? Okay, you, you cannot do both if you put one above the other in the wrong order. The order has to be to crush Hamas first because the only thing that will bring them back to us is the fact that they're on the losing side, okay? Nothing is going to cause them to release the hostages unless they know that that's the only thing that can make them survive. So you hammer them. Absolutely. That's how yeah. we have released already over 100 of them. And by the way, they were very unpleasantly surprised 
when after the first phase, we continued the war. They were absolutely convinced that after those five waves of releasing uh, hostages, mm -hmm. they can actually, by the way, they got rid of everyone they didn't want to hold. That was the thing. They didn't want the older people yeah. or the kids. That is a liability for them. But they yeah. did keep to themselves the Bibas family because that's a symbol. It became yeah. the symbol for the Israelis. Any way they can hurt us, it's a good way for them. Even 40 years ago, generals in Israel said that the simple, the most simple and the cheapest way to win a war is to break the spirit of the people. And how do you do that? Hit them where it's the hardest. But it seems that the opposite has happened in Israel. You know, you and I have talked, Amir, and you've shared that, look, it's a different country, in a sense, since October 7th. It seems to have, at least for a time at least, galvanized the people of Israel. So Hamas, do you think that's part of the surprise factor? Do you think Hamas didn't expect this overwhelming response after October 7th? And, and as you said, perhaps they thought that Israel would cease and okay, our work is done here and go home after some of the hostages were released, but Israel has showed, shown great fortitude and, and they're sticking to it in the goal of finishing the mission, it seems. See, Hamas learned from the past. In the, in the past two weeks into any operation, the world would press us to stop. So Hamas was banking on that. Hamas also was banking on the fact that uh, in the TV studios in Israel, they will start speaking against the war they will start speaking about the need to stop the war. Sinwar is addicted to Israeli media, addicted. We know that for a fact. Fluent in Hebrew, by Fluent the way. in yeah. Hebrew. He has better Hebrew than a lot of Israelis, by the way, because he speaks high, high language. And the guy is addicted to our television stations. And in most of the studios, the talk, the language is of defeat, is of we're done, it's, not gonna, it's never going to work. This is what he wants. The good thing, though, is that the Israelis are smarter consumers of media. That's why Telegram is now skyrocketing in every Israeli phone, because they don't trust the TV anymore. They don't trust the radio anymore. I'm talking about Israel, I'm not talking about other places. Yeah. We found an alternative, and which, you know, and so, October 7th, um, the October ultimate wake-up call. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Israelis, plus remember, th over 300,000 Israelis are fighting now. They are detached from the media. They are busy fighting and their families are watching them fighting. So there's uh, close to you know 1.5 million Israelis that are actively engaged in the war right now, whether it's in the battlefield or back home supporting the, the, the soldiers. And they don't want to hear anything about all of this type of language. Because they they're on the ground seeing it in real time, Absolutely. experiencing it. They know the truth. Absolutely. And this is exactly why it's not working for Hamas. It's not working because the Israelis know we're not defeated. They know why it's taking time and they're willing to wait. The only people that are not willing to wait are the people who believe that if you stop the war right now, it will give you all the hostages. So if you were Sinwar, would you release your insurance policy knowing that the state of Israel is going to hunt you later on and he's still going to stay in Gaza? Yeah, there's no incentive for him to release the hostages if the IDF's going to turn around the next day and kill him and destroy Hamas. And there's another thing. Not a single Israeli will return to live in southern Israel where over 100,000 people were evacuated. Not a single Israeli will return as long as Hamas is there. 
Hamas has to be completely crushed. Same goes with Hezbollah, which we'll probably talk about in a few yes. seconds. So Israelis are saying, if we're in a war and we already have more than 500 soldiers dead, let's finish this war correctly. Let's do it the job this time. Let's not stop short of victory. And victory means dismantle the enemy and push it away from us because yeah. we're not going to be hostages, held hostages, even just by living there and hoping and praying that they might yeah. not shoot a rocket today. Yeah. It's just the way it is right now. Yeah, we live in times where common sense is not so common. Mm -hmm. And part of that is the push to essentially reward the Palestinians yes. with a state. I want to ask you about that as well. But you mentioned Hezbollah. You mentioned the evacuees from the south. We have tens of thousands evacuated mm -hmm. from the communities here in the north as well. And it seems that the larger war, the big one, so to yeah. speak, is coming sooner rather than later, perhaps, with a much more lethal enemy, Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. 82,000 Israelis have evacuated uh, from their homes. For the first time, Israel has a security belt, basically, that is not in the enemy's camp, but it's in our camp. Normally, the strategy of the Israeli military is, if you want to fight me, let's do it in your territory. This is not what it looks like right now. And the reason is, we want to finish the job in Gaza first. And it seems like Israel must first deal with the smaller issue. And I'm saying smaller. Hamas. It has the largest terror base on planet Earth, but Hezbollah is the biggest terror organization on planet Earth. These are two biggies. It's, an, it's a terrorist exactly. army. Exactly. It's bigger than a military of, 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 a, of a country, yeah. in Europe even. And by the way, the war in Gaza affects everything else, because if they see that we're not destroying Hamas here, why would anyone stop from coming against us? But if they see that we just dis demolish, destroy, completely annihilate our enemies. They see that we you know, took off the gloves and we're pounding hard and we don't care what people say, they'll think twice. Yeah, Israel means business. For the first time in many, many years. And if we fall short this time, we're doomed. Everybody knows that. Look, we paid already the price. Why not at least get what we need to get out of it? Because the price has been paid. So, I mean, it's about time and honestly, biblically, prophetically, in order for the big war that the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 38, Israel should live in peace and safety. Do you remember, that's how we should live without walls, without fences. We should have no enemy right there uh, across the border. We should feel safe. But it's not the case now. It's not the case now, and we have to make sure it is the case for our own you know, safety and for our own people. Will another war not come? No, it will come. And will another war after that one not come? It will come. I can now already outline for you four wars in the future of Israel. Four. You know, we have this one is now. We have then the Ezekiel one. We have the Zechariah one. And then at the very end of the Millennial Kingdom, we have another one. That's the number four. And these are wars that... The Bible is not talking about things that might happen. The Bible is talking about things that, as, God, as far as God is concerned, have happened. We haven't yet experienced them. And so the prophets saw those things happening. They are not writing a suggested scenario, maybe, could be, probably. They already told us what happened as far as God is above time. God told them what had happened 
yet has not been experienced yet. And so now what we need to understand is we need to do our part. Our part at this point is to fight and in not to allow the enemies around us to overcome. And we have the power, but the next one, in the Ezekiel one, we won't have the power. He will have the power. Amen. And we'll talk about that yeah. more in a minute. Mm -hmm. Do you see, well, obviously, Hamas unfolding now in Gaza, Hezbollah war coming. Do you see these as precursors kind of laying the groundwork for that Gog Magog Absolutely. war, that Ezekiel war? Yeah. The, big, the big difference, people ask me, do we see the Ezekiel war already happening right now? And I, I said the big difference between this one and the Ezekiel is that at this one, we have the assistance of the U.S. and to some degree of other countries when it comes to the Red Sea. In the Ezekiel War, no one is coming to assist us but God. Right now, we're still relying on military force. In the Ezekiel War, there is not a single verse where it's the military might of our generals and military that yeah. caused the victory for Israel. It's supernatural by supernatural means, and it's only by God for His glory. So we're now moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, yeah. from the natural to the supernatural. And we're on that fast lane yeah. towards that. It really is. Amir, that's a good way to put it. it it's a fast lane. I mean, the th things now are really, really moving. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the Ezekiel Coalition, you've spoken and written about it so much. You see Russia, obviously, increasingly hostile mm -hmm. to Israel. You see that Ezekiel Coalition shaping up with Russia, Iran, yeah. Turkey. Have you been struck by Russia's reaction to October 7th, hosting a Hamas delegation in Moscow, coming even closer to Iran? We also heard from the uh, former ambassador of Israel to Russia that uh, Russia funded Hamas, apparently. Russia allowed weapons uh, in the hands of Hamas. Russia trained Hamas in, to some degree as well. And so, yes, I, 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 I'm kind of shocked that Russia wants to be our friends and at the same time is feeding those that wants to destroy us. But Russia is always about Russia. Russia is always about the interests of Russia. Vladimir Putin is a friend of no one. He will do what he needs to do that serves his purposes at this given time. And so, you know, that's what we see. And what I'm amazed to see right now is the growing collaboration between Iran and Turkey, which is, I don't think we've seen that before to that level. Yeah. And uh, the mutual visits of presidents in, in each country uh, and uh, the agreements they, they have uh, with one another. And the hostility of Erdogan and the Turkish yes. government to Israel. Now he is more hostile than ever. Turkish airlines stopped yeah. flying to Israel. That was the airline that flew the most to Israel. Five flights a day. It's like more than El Al does uh, in, to some destinations. Five times a day, maybe more. They stopped flying to Israel. That's like the bird in the coal mine. Yeah. yeah. No, it truly is. And Turkey, look, uh, the second largest army in NATO, a formidable foe, and obviously aligning with Russia uh, and Iran. And one of the things I've been noticing in recent weeks in the wake of the war. And it's really stunning because it's a reward to Hamas and the Palestinians, Correct. essentially. This push by Western leaders, I mean, high-ranking Western officials, to unilaterally impose a Palestinian state upon Israel, whether Israel likes it or not. Talk about the prophetic implications of that push. Well, first of all, let me say, none of those countries love the Palestinians. When they offer a Palestinian state, 
it's because they love themselves. They don't want the Palestinians. So let's keep them there. If you ask the Palestinians in Gaza, what do you want? They would tell you, we want out of here. Honestly, Egypt would not allow them and most of the world will not accept them, okay? So this is for sure not for the love of the Palestinians as much as we don't want them. I mean, they opened their doors for Syrians, for Libyans, for Iraqis, for everyone. No one opens a door for the Palestinians. That's the first thing. The second thing you have to understand is that I do believe that they think that the arm that can weaken Israel must stay there or else Israel will grow stronger and stronger. And Israel is an ally of America. It's like the arm of America in the Middle East. So if we want America out of the Middle East, we need to attack American bases in the Middle East and cut Israel off because Israel is America in the Middle East. That's how they look at things. And so I, I believe that, and now comes the prophetic part. I believe and I'm not a prophet. You see, I teach the word of God. I teach what the prophet says. And if the next war, America is not there to help Israel, America is definitely stepping down from its position as a world power. And so we can clearly see that the efforts to get America out of the Middle East will eventually come to fruition. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, you're traveling in the United States, frequently speaking in the U.S. What is your take as an Israeli across the pond here as you observe the climate in the United States and how things are unfolding in my country? It's a bit of a mess right now, needless to say, including in the political realm. As an Israeli with a prophetic lens, I think you just laid it out. Do you see the United States? I'm sad to say this as an American, but prophetically, it seems that America is bound to Correct. decline. It's bound to decline, which is bad for America. But remember, God gets the glory when it comes to Israel's defense, not America. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to see. Yeah. Do you think Israel's too reliant on America, especially for munitions? And every weapons? Israeli can tell you that. Yeah. Because what we do now, everything that makes no sense, giving them fuel and humanitarian aid, all of that is because of the American pressure, which could not really be so effective unless you provided for us all the munitions. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why we have to listen to you. If we had our own factories that will make the Iron Dome munitions and all the, the, bunk, uh, the bunker busters and uh, 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 bombs and, and all of those, if we had our own thing going on, if we had our own fighter jets, our own production line of helicopters and all these things, do you really think anything would have gone across the border into Gaza right now? Nothing. But right now, Israel understands if we want aid from America, if we want to buy more squadrons of F-35s, of Apache helicopters, if we want munitions for the Iron Dome, we must pay a price here. And the price right now, which I don't understand how, how people think, that mm. every truck that goes into Gaza prolongs the life of Hamas and will, by default, prolong the war. They, and take, the they take it all. Yes, yeah. and the suffering of the, of the Palestinian people. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the story is, <laughs> but I know that it makes no sense. Somebody kind of wants to help Hamas more than yeah. to help us. It's finish. really madness. It's madness. Uh, to talk, to even consider a Palestinian state, and by the way, the average Israeli, as you've laid out, Amir, that's not on their radar screen right now, a Palestinian state, but the West is pushing that in the wake of the largest massacre of the Jewish people since the Holocaust, the reward for this is a state? But you know why they push? Because they understand it won't happen unless they push. Yeah. They understand that the Israelis 
are at the point where they will not allow that to happen. And so the very, on the fringes, all those radical left people in Israel are telling the Europeans and the Americans, you must impose it on, on Israel or else it won't happen. Of course it's not going to happen. It's astounding. It's Israel is a sovereign nation being dictated to by the nations of the world. Absolutely. It's astounding. Look, everybody wants to help the Palestinians. Nobody asks them what they want. And the only people that ask them what they want are those that are chanting in the streets from the river to the sea. That's what they want. From the river to the sea, from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean, they want Palestine to be free. They don't want Israel. There is no talk among the Palestinians themselves on a two-state solution. For them, there is only one. And Hamas leader, Khaled Mash'al, was yeah. on, on, on television a couple weeks ago, and he said, guys, it's not even a question. There is a consensus, wide consensus among the Palestinians. It's not just from the river to the sea, but it's from the Lebanese border to the Egyptian one. He made it very clear. It's not like West Bank or no. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand. In 1964, when the PLO was established by Yasser Arafat, that's the first time the Palestinians had a flag. And that's before we had Gaza or the West Bank. 1964, we never had it. We didn't even have the Golan, nothing. East Jerusalem was still in the hands of the Jordanians. And yet it was Palestine Liberation Organization. Right. Because the Palestine, which is on their emblems, on their maps, on every public, uh, publication that they have, it's Israel. That's right. So if you ask the Palestinians for their opinion, they'll tell you, that's what we want. And they're emboldened right now. October 7th was a festival for them, was, was a divine day for them. Thousands of, yes. thousands of Palestinian civilians also invaded Absolutely. behind Hamas. Think about it, how they look at it. 3,000 people in, it broke a multi-billion dollar fence, entered, occupied Israeli places, occupied, they always say we are occupiers, they occupied Israeli places, and what they did in one day is worse than what all Arab countries did to us in 75 years. They did a, another Holocaust. Now it's a badge of honor for them. Hamas is now walking as, you know, they're rock stars. We did to Israel what no one else since the Holocaust managed to do. And they're right, by the way. They did it. You cannot deny it. Now, will they now be rewarded for it or punished for it? That's the question. It's amazing. It a mini holocaust on October 7th actually set the Palestinian state talk into overdrive. You would think it would be the opposite, but it's... <laughs> and, and the reason for it is because everybody in Israel will not agree for it. Yes. So now the world says, okay, we need to impose it on you. We thought you'll do it. Obviously, you're not going yeah. to. Let's impose it on you. You've written Revealing Revelation and how the uh, has the tribulation mm -hmm. begun? We've interviewed you about that on The Watchman previously. But Amir, in these prophetic books, do you think one of the trends that you're seeing right now, this global hatred, not only of the state of Israel, but the Jewish people writ large, seems like a massive prophetic signpost, the, the massive rise in anti-Semitism. Yeah. I see that a lot of Jewish people woke up to the realization that they, for, for their whole life, they could consider themselves as liberal, Zionist, atheist, whatever you can call yourself. It doesn't matter they will kill you because you're a Jew. 
So now you have to ask yourself, so if, if they're going to kill me as, because I'm a Jew anyway, not because I'm Israeli, it, they are no longer saying it's Israel, but we love the Jews. Now it's about the Jews. So now the Jews have Open. to ask them openly, yes. And everybody is allowing that. So now the Jews have to ask themselves, should we be ashamed of our being, us being Jews or be proud of it? And those that come to terms with, with their Judaism, they wake up to understand, if I now will not anymore uh, kind of deny my Jewish roots, yeah. it's time maybe to think about returning or coming to the place which is the only place on planet Earth for Jewish people. Yeah. Eric, when I travel around the world and I see Jews live elsewhere, it hurts me. For 2,000 years, we were without a state. Yeah. We finally have one. That's it. Now, I read Ezekiel 36, and I see how God says in His Word that we profaned His name when we were around the world. And then He expounds on it, and He says, you know how? Not because you said bad things about me, because the other nations say, aren't these God's people? Why are they not in my land? Why are they not in the land that I gave them? It's an insult for God that Jews, when there is a land, and he gave it back to us, we're still not there. So I, I see now that Jews wake up to this, to understand, okay, there is a place. Look, as an American Gentile, if something bad happens to America, you don't have alternatives, do you? A Jew does. Every Jew around the world has an alternative, whereas the others don't. Why wait until you're killed or, or, or being massacred by, why wait? Look what's happening now, Britain, France, even Germany. Do you see possibly a wave of Aliyah with Jews immigrating we to do. the world's one and only we Jewish do. state? We do, we do, we see that. No one feels safe anymore and they are applying by the thousands right now to make Aliyah and this is one of the good things that are going to happen. Now Israel is going to go through a turmoil politically and uh, socially. We are not gonna be the same country. You know, the war will end, thus will settle, and the people of Israel are going to change things. I believe so. And one of the things is the priorities are going to change. And I do believe that the, the return of the Jews back to the land is a huge thing. And I also think that the mindset that the military is holy and whatever they say has to be accepted, it's gone, thrown out of the window. People now are allowed to think and, and to vocalize their, you know, whatever they think. Tell us about, number one, Connect, mm -hmm. this great new initiative you're leading. And secondly, leave everyone at home, if you can, with some biblical encouragement. Uh, we're laying out, obviously, some heavy topics, mm -hmm. but God is still on the throne. Correct. And you're a great encourager. So first, tell us about Connect. And then we can close with some great biblical encouragement. Yes, okay, thank you. So first of all, Connect uh, is something that uh, was born out of my understanding that uh, something uh, big is gonna happen to Israel soon. And I'm talking about, I thought about that six, seven months ago. I didn't know about the war. I talked about the scenario of this war in April of last year. I don't know if you know that. I said, what is the plan of the Iranians? But I had a feeling that something big is gonna happen that will require me to stay in Israel and to 
and to start a base of operation here. So I was looking for a place where I can build a studio from where I can just broadcast, as well as a place where I can teach groups that are coming to Israel and local believers that are not that familiar with the end times and God's plan for Israel. And that's what I'm planning on doing. We're halfway through. It'll be probably ready by the end of April, uh, beginning of May. And this is going to connect people with the land, people with the word, and we are very excited about this. Yeah, it's an exciting yes. initiative for such a time as this. Exactly. And if you could just give us some words of encouragement to close yes. here, I mean, because it is, hey, perilous times, yes. time of time of Jacob's trouble uh, at the doorstep, yeah. but hey, God's on the throne. He has a glorious plan uh, for the land of Israel. So I'll start my and every believer. I'll start my words of encouragement by saying that darker days are coming. Mm -hmm. Let it, let it be very clear. We won't be able to conduct this conversation in this house. Maybe in two months we will be in the midst of a war that Israel has not seen yet. The skyline of Tel Aviv might even change. Yet, I will say, I know the future of Israel. I know the plan of God. And the plan of God for Israel is to give them hope and future. That's not a verse that he gave to Jeremiah for a women's Bible study or for a conference. It's a word that he gave to his people, Israel. I am going to give you hope and future. I don't have any thoughts of destruction about, about you. I, the Lord, he said, have promised it. And he also said, I do not change. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So the God has a plan for Israel. And Israel is God's prophetic timepiece, but also a picture of his faithfulness. And every believer should watch now how God is taking care of his people and be encouraged because Israel is not going to be wiped out. The only time the nation of Israel will no longer exist, Jeremiah said that, not me. He said, he said, only when the sun, the moon, and the stars will no longer be there, that's when Israel will not be a nation before me, says the Lord. So I advise to the Iranians, Ayatollahs, aim your weapons towards the sun, the moon, and the stars, because only, you have to finish with them first. Everyone needs to understand, Israel won't be over. The question is, do you believe? in the same God who promised that for Israel? And do you understand that the same faithfulness is something that he has for you if you follow him and trust him? Thanks again to our good friend, Amir Sarfati, for letting us into his home and sharing those great biblical prophetic insights. Folks, remember, subscribe to his channel here, Behold Israel, also on Telegram. And quick reminder, March 25th, remember, Stackelbeck Tonight, my brand new nightly program launching on TBN every night, Monday through Friday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and then again at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time for such a time as this. And we anticipate that our good friend Amir will be joining us on a regular basis on the new show. Remember, mark your calendars, March 25th, Stackelbeck Tonight. Until next time, thanks so much for joining us here on The Watchman. God bless you. And remember, never. Hold your peace.